Hello and welcome to Wisdom and Productivity, the podcast of Dr. Efraim Martinez. I am a principal in search of wisdom and I have found productivity to be a great tool for success. Today I have the distinguished honor of interviewing Katie Miglin, who is the Director of Curriculum and Instruction at Teach Better. I had the honor and pleasure to meet her at Teach Better 22 in person. What an utmost professional, admired by everybody, seeing everybody there. So I was like, I need to make sure that I interview Katie so I can learn where her wisdom and productivity comes from. Katie Micklin, who are you? Well, my goodness, that is such the intro. Thank you so Thank much. You. Um, well, like you said, my name is Katie Miglin and I am a mom to two adorable, wonderful children, two daughters. Um, I am married to an amazing um, man named Matt. And um, when I'm not the director of curriculum and instruction, I'm an athlete, I'm an educator, Christian reader, and all your, you know, extra things I like to do in my free time. So um, but yeah, I, I work for the Teach Better team and I oversee a lot of the projects like the conference where we had the opportunity to meet, which was great. But then I also get to work a lot of our internal projects, things that we do in our online platform. And um, yeah, I get to work with schools all over the country and go meet teachers. So that's always something really fun, especially being an educator for so long. It's nice to be able to get back in the classroom and be able to work with teachers, get that energy from schools. Um, I was an educator for 13 years, so it's nice to be able to work, you know, in the schools again. So it's, yeah, it's kind of every day looks a little different and I really love that. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. uh, let me ask you a follow-up question. Uh, mm -hmm. Can you tell us more about the importance of your faith uh, in your life? Yeah. So I um, have had, my faith has been a part of my life, my, my literally my whole life. Um, I come from a very strong Catholic family. And um, so that was important for my husband and I to continue some sort of faith in our children's lives and our own lives. So um, we belong to a local Christian church and it's really kind of just created that family in a town where I don't have any family. We live um, kind of far from my immediate family. So it's nice to have a church family and to have that faith that kind of keeps me rooted when things aren't so perfect and how to um, just kind of lean on something else when I don't, I feel like I'm losing control. I'm a type A personality. So it's nice to have like something else that kind of keeps me rooted and remind me that there's a bigger, bigger purpose and a bigger power. Thank you, Katie. Mm -hmm. So um, can you share with us uh, your professional trajectory up to this point? Yep. So I went to Illinois State University for both my master's and my bachelor's. And I um, was blessed to be able to stay in the same town and work in the school that I student taught in, which was really awesome. It was a great transition out of college. Um, I was a classroom teacher for 13 years. I taught primarily middle school math. And that was my jam. I loved middle school. I loved, um, you know, the the attitudes, the smells, the just all the things. I felt like it was such a pivotal point in a child's life. And that was really important to me to be a part of that. And um, in the last couple of years, I've been working for Teach Better. And just recently, I left the classroom to work 
um, with Teach Better. So I originally started as the community events coordinator when I was still in the classroom. And I worked just kind of doing that on the side, which was really fun. But this year I had the opportunity to become the director of curriculum and instruction. And um, I just decided I needed a change. I said I did not want to be a teacher that was, you know, crabby and burned out. And I, I knew <laughs> students needed better. So when I felt that God was calling me to a change, I just kind of jumped at it. And so here we are. So, yeah. Great. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, let me ask you a couple of questions. Um, mm -hmm. You said that, uh, did, did you teach at the school where you went? Did I, I hear that correctly? Where I student taught. So, where you student um, taught. Yep. Yep. So, so I um, was there for a semester and then was able to get a job there. I see. I see. Mm -hmm. How was the, how do you feel in that experience from going to student teacher Like in a way, you know, I don't know you, but at least me, I made like, oh my goodness, oh, so many mistakes. <laughs> and going back to the same place, any recommendation or advice for those people who are on the trenches uh, who might be in that similar situation? Yeah, I, you know, I was really lucky. I was with a teaching team that just accepted me for who I was, but continued to push me to be better. So Well, I know I made a lot of mistakes early on, and I know that I grew a lot. Um, I think just accepting that, that I was new. And I think it's sometimes hard when you're in those moments, you know, when you're, you're in your student teaching semester and you're just feeling like, oh my gosh, I don't know what I'm doing, to remind yourself that no one else at their point in their career did either. You know, we all kind of started the same and we struggled in the beginning. You know, you figure it out as you go and you continue to be open for growth. And I think that was where I was kind of at was I knew that I had all the tools that I could to begin teaching. And I knew that my team was going to support me. So it actually was really good for me because I wasn't this like new person, new face into a building. Like they knew me for a semester. They'd watched me grow so much anyway. And so I just, it almost felt like a family, you know, they were like, Hey, join us for this journey. So it was, it was really, really helpful. Nice. Nice. And, 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 This middle school teaching, um, uh, what do middle school, what makes middle school students so special? They are like mini adults in some ways, you know, they, well, they love to tell you that and they love to tell you that they can make all the decisions and they know everything, you know, that's the stereotypical, they really are like mini adults. And, you know, I, I think what I loved the most is you could one student you could be helping like problem solve in your mind something that'd be very simple like okay well how are you going to get a pencil today and you could turn to the person next to them and have a whole on conversation about the new movie that came out or you know their soccer game and you could just have kind of both ends within your classroom and i loved that and i loved being able to connect with them on so many different levels and i was blessed to be able to be a coach and be involved in a lot of clubs And so getting them to kind of see their growth in those areas too was just really fun. And they're just like, they grow up so much in those few years, you know, it's so cool to see. They do. Absolutely. And let me ask you uh, one more question. Um, working now at Teach Better, um, I'm sure there are some people in schools that might be looking for something, something, this is kind of new, right? In education, mm -hmm. I'm sure when you went to school, you never thought maybe that you would work, right? But like outside of a school, but with schools. So right. can you tell us about that transition experience? Uh, what did you expect to happen? What ended up happening? Uh, what should the people from the outside know 
how it feels to work for an organization that works for schools? So I think, you know, there's there's a lot of people out there who are right now trying to figure out what's what's their next step. You know, what are they going to do? And I would say my kind of, you know, I'm only about six months out, but I think my biggest advice is really reflect on what you want, because being working with teachers is very different than being a teacher. And, you know, we come to schools and we're lucky enough that we work with schools continuously. So we are not a one and done um, company. We come in and we work for, you know, two, three, four, five, six, seven times throughout the year, which is great because we establish relationships. Not all companies do that, but also you might be working with them on a professional development day, not on a school day. So if you get a lot of energy from students and if you, um, you know, really that fuels you, then you have to kind of lean into that. If you really enjoy kind of the bigger picture and working at a higher level, then maybe that, you know, maybe that's your calling too. But that was something that took a lot of reflecting for me was what really fuels my cup and really um, it gets me excited and helps me and get, kind of gives me purpose. And when I realized that I was okay with kind of stepping away from the students, then that's when I knew this was the right step for me, but that's not for everybody. So I think just some, you really have to reflect, you know, it's easy to point out all the things that are a problem, like, oh, I'm tired. Oh, my to-do list is long, but those things may not go away with just another jump. So being really mindful of what do you need every day? And, um, you know, sometimes I still go over to my old school and kind of just hang out with students for a little bit just to kind of get some energy. But then at the end of it, I know I'm okay walking away right now. So I think just you have to be mindful of what you need. Great advice. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Katie, like in Back to the Future, if you could yeah. go back in time to any of the positions you have held before, what would the Katie of today tell the Katie of back then? Oh, man, a lot of things. I think I'd have to sit down for a while with her. Um, but I think for me, the biggest thing I struggled in the beginning was that vulnerability of thinking you had to know it all. And I really was nervous to sit in a meeting and not know, to, you know, lead a group and not know. And there were a lot of things that I let my pride kind of get in the way of um, maybe making better choices. You know, I, I remember I started a softball program my one of my early years. We had just built a new building in our district and I had transferred over there and I opened, you know, we opened the school and I had to run the softball program and we literally just had like a dirt field. And I didn't know a thing and I didn't want anyone to know that. And so I think there were so many things that that first year that I was like, oh my gosh, if I would have just asked for help or if I would have just like reached out to someone. So I think just kind of reminding myself that it's okay not to know everything. And it's okay to let people know that, that actually, you know, I might've been a better person in the long run. Excellent. Not <laughs> Beautiful. You're taking notes, learning from you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, so reading books is such a luxury. If you had to gift one fiction book that is your favorite and one nonfiction book that is your favorite, what would those books be? This is probably the hardest question you're going to ask all morning. I've decided, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, Fiction, I can't, I cannot narrow it down, but what I can say is anything by Kristen Hanna, she's a historical fiction writer, and I love being transported to a different time period and being able to just kind of be immersed in whatever culture existed at that time. So she does a lot of, you know, just kind of just history stuff, which I really like. 
And then my favorite nonfiction um, that still resonates with me is Educated by Tara Westover. And she, um, it was, uh, it's kind of written like a fiction, which is interesting in itself, but she was not able to get an education and kind of talks about her journey as a child and wanting to be educated and wanting to go to school. And it just is a good reminder as not only as a teacher, but also as a student, as just a person that our education is a privilege and we make a difference and that matters. And so I felt like it was just a good humbling book. And it still is something that I just kind of remind myself of every, every once in a while. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, Katie, um, who is or who are your biggest influences? So I'm going to be honest. I was kind of, I, I kind of got my educational journey in a bubble because I was surrounded by quality educators. And, you know, it's, it's so interesting being removed from it because I don't think I appreciate it as much as I should have. But my early schools were filled with teachers who were innovative and passionate and really, really wanted to do right for students. And um, they honestly shaped who I was as an educator because when you sit in a meeting and everyone around the table is just caring about students and caring about what's best for them and not caring about what the curriculum looks like or you know, kind of sticking to some of those parameters, you can do some really powerful things. And so I definitely, you know, I, when I kind of first think of people, I think, you know, Sarah Jesse, she was a teammate of mine for years. Dana Kirby was a coworker of mine for years. But the one person who consistently stands out is Kathy Berbrick. Um, and she's not on social media that much, so I can't totally give her a shout out. But she was one of my co-teachers for um, my early years. She student, I student taught with her. Uh, she was a special ed teacher on my team. And what I loved about her is she didn't just follow the rules. And what I mean by that is she cared about students and their families wholly. And she challenged my thinking to be a better person and a better educator. And so there were so many times that I kind of, I can remember us sitting and I, you know, I'd be so frustrated with a student and I'd say, you know, they should be doing this. And I saw what they brought in and, you know, just like I had these opinions and She'd be like, but you don't know what happened last night. And, you know, they have they have a baby that's keeping them up all night. Or maybe that's why they fell asleep. And there was just so many times that she would challenge me in, a, in such a loving way that made me feel like, okay, I can, I can change, you know, and I can be a little better. And I'm still good friends with her now. She has since retired. Um, but just she was like, she made learning fun. You know, there were so many days I would be just crying, laughing at the board teaching because she'd have an accent and she'd be walking around the classroom and that would be her way to engage, you know, some of our tough kids. And so it was, she just constantly made me reflect in such a, like a caring way that she honestly was the most influential person I've ever, I had ever come across, but also just kind of shaped me as a teacher and made me a better person. Wow. What, what, <laughs> what, how fortunate were you to have uh, yeah. very good teachers, especially those that, um, set the way for you to continue through that path. Thank you, Katie, mm -hmm. so much. Mm -hmm. So uh, Katie, uh, imposter syndrome is real. We all feel it. Uh, we feel like, oh my goodness, I'm not good enough to be there, etc. What have you done to deal with this? In all honesty, it is something I battle with pretty often. Um, so it's a, it's a common, thing that I have to remind myself 
Um, but I think, you know, for me personally, I just really struggle to feel like I'm smart enough and, um, you know, good enough. I feel like I'm constantly surrounded by just amazing people, to be honest. You know, when I was a teacher, I would feel that way. I'd sit in a conference room and I'm like, wow, these people are so cool and so like good at what they do. And that's continued. You know, I sit um, and teach better meetings or I go to schools and I'm just constantly in awe of other people. And while it's hard for me to, you know, remind myself that I, I'm okay, I'm worth it. I'm, you know, I'm good enough just like everybody else. I think I've, I've had to really kind of just switch my mindset um, and really remind myself that while yes, I'm surrounded by intelligent, hardworking, amazing people, but that means I have room for growth and I can learn from them. And so rather than the negative self-talk of I'm not, why am I here? Or, you know, I'm not as smart as these people. I've really tried to just change my mindset to I can learn something from someone else always, even if I don't agree with them, which, you know, that's sometimes a, a challenge when you don't agree with yeah. somebody. But just knowing that they're they offer something different from you and you can learn from them. That has been enough for me. And that has kind of helped combat the imposter syndrome, especially on those days where I'm like, oh my gosh, why am I in this room? Like, I don't know enough, you know? So it's been, it's been kind of a good um, shift for me to just be comfortable in my own skin, to know that I, I'm there for a reason. I can bring something to the table, but I can also learn from other people and grow with them. Beautiful. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get back to the episode. What would you say um, that this is something um, like what do middle school children need to know? Um, because we live in an era where uh, everything is immediate. It's a it's a ten second TikTok video that is is, yes. is, is edited. It's humorous. Uh, it makes you laugh. Maybe 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 it makes you think, <laughs> right? But then we have we have classrooms where uh, the teacher might stand in front of the class and try to lecture. Like, what is it that students need to know in order for them? to fight this imposter syndrome that they might not feel right away in school, but once they get to higher levels, like high school or college yep. or that first job, they might feel like, oh. <laughs> uh, uh, what are your thoughts? Oh man. You know, it's so hard to, to narrow it down to a middle schooler. Cause there's times where I just feel like, oh my gosh, they don't know so much, you know, just, just hold on. I, I know I've sat with students and, they have no friends or they feel so out of place. I'm like, just hold on because your future has, you know, endless possibilities. And I think that was kind of the message I, I consistently would say to students is yeah, this is just a moment in time. And whether that breakup feels like it's the end of the world or this class feels like it's the longest class of your life, this is just a moment and you have a lifetime ahead of you. And so you know, couple that with also looking to what can you gain from others and what can you, can you experience? You know, that I would always tell students when I would partner them in class, I would remind them, I'm not looking for you guys to become best friends. I'm looking for you to gain something from that person and just walk away a little bit better when you, you know, when you're done. So, when you, don't, you know, you have those students that are like, oh, I don't want to work with such and such and, you know, kind of moan and groan. 
I'd remind them, well, I put you with them for a reason. And maybe the reason you don't see right now, but maybe you will at the end of the project. And just kind of telling them they're only there for a short period of time. And this is, you're going to survive, I promise. And so, you know, at the end of the project, sometimes we'd laugh and be like, look at everyone survived their partners. Yay. You know, and <laughs> it just kind of, you know, just noticing those little moments that you're, you can be a little bit better than you were five minutes ago. And that's, that's what this is for. And so just constantly remind them of that. Cause you're right. Those 10 second TikTok videos, man, they feel like they're life changing, but <laughs> It's just a moment of time. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. I I ask you because a, a, I I ask teachers to to give me feedback every December, a glow and a grow. Mm -hmm. What is working? What is not working? And one of the constructive criticisms were like, basically, you have to stop. This is a middle school. Mm -hmm. You have to stop telling us to make class more fun because children need to learn that sometimes things are tedious. And things take time and stuff like that. And and I was like debating, is the person right? Are we both right? Are we both wrong? Right. Um, like like if you if you had to go back to the classroom, mm -hmm. right? And, and knowing all of this, is there anything you would do differently from the get-go that perhaps you have learned outside of the classroom? Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, I think I would stop sweating the timelines and the structure as much. I'm very type A, um, as maybe you know this, but I'm very type A. I like a lot of structure. I like to hold the reins, have the control, all the things. And I slowly after COVID started to realize that that doesn't matter and I shouldn't keep doing that. And so, you know, I was really only able to put it into practice for a short time before I left, but the little things, you know, I was so worried about like, well, my bell ringer needs to be math related because I teach math. It's like, no, it doesn't. The idea is that they're getting engaged in class. You can do that a billion different ways. And so, you know, just little things I would do, like, would you rather questions rather than a, a, a math question? Because guess what? Way more kids answer a would you rather question than they do an algebra problem. And just those little things, you know, it, it, like making things funny and silly, but yes, still covering the curriculum. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying get rid of that, but there would be times that I would be teaching a lesson and I'd be standing there going, this is so boring. I'm so bored. How do they have <laughs> any interest? And, you know, just, just making it like a little bit more interesting, you know, even if it's like, I'm going to make a joke out of this, or I'm going to use a funny accent, or we're all going to write in markers today, you know, just those little tiny things that at the end of the day don't really matter, but maybe they bring a little bit more joy to your classroom. I think those are the things I would do more often rather than like those structured, oh, it has, it's fun Friday. Those are the only days that we can have fun. Yes. I think I would just kind of absorb more of that. That's a great advice. Thank you so much. Um, <laughs> let me see here. Um, being successful includes being on top of your productivity, but this means different things for different people. How do Katie guess organize and still live the life that you live? I really focus on what helps me stay focused. So what I mean by that is my husband will tell you, I have to have a clean house because it helps me focus. Um, he could always tell when I had a stack of papers I needed to grade because I would do all the laundry and I would clean the whole house and probably <laughs> organize a closet because I couldn't focus on anything else. 
So I just have not learned. I have to have like the house has to be tidy. So I try to whenever, you know, weekends or whatever, I try to like make sure everything's picked up and I create lists and I schedule things. So I, especially with this um, new role, you know, in the classroom, it was different. I was structured by a bell schedule. So I knew I had about an hour in the morning to work, you know, my prep periods and then about 45 minutes after school to work. And so it was like, well, what can I get done in those time frames? Now, you know, I might have a meeting in the morning and then I've got two or three hours where I've got to knock out a lot of projects. And so I've tried to really be intentional with my time and um, schedule things. So if I know a project will take a certain amount of time or, you know, maybe it'll take a lot of time, then I'll say I'm only working on it for this chunk and then I'm going to move on. Um, everything from like working out to doing devotionals, like all of that, I try really hard to be intentional. When am I going to accomplish that? And I, I just do it the night before. So I'll like, before I fall asleep, I kind of look at my calendar and I'll, you know, say, okay, I notice I've got a big gap of time at this section. That's when I think I'm going to try to get a workout in to give myself a break or I'll take the dog for a walk. And so I just try to kind of be mindful of like, what time do I have and using that rather than focusing on, oh my gosh, I have so much to do and so little time because that is, that was pretty toxic and it wasn't helpful to me. And I was finding myself being less productive. So kind of. It's just switching the mindset. Tell me more about your list. Is it a simple um, uh, post-it with list? Uh, how, how do you, uh, I know it's very geeky, but uh, you know, it's about <laughs> productivity. Like right, what, right. What, what would that look like? So I usually create lists and I um, categorize them. So I serve on a couple uh, non-for-profit groups as well. And so I will structure my to-do list based on what, um, you know, what group I'm in. So I'll say like, this is my teach better to-do list. And then I've got my home to-do list and I've got, I, I serve on a softball board. So I kind of just structure it that way so that I know, okay, I've got a meeting coming up that's specific for this category. Let me make sure I've got everything on that list done. Um, I also write in front of my desk, I have a whiteboard. So any big goals I put on this whiteboard right in front of me, just to keep myself focused on what are long-term projects I want to make sure to accomplish or things that might require sustained energy. You know, maybe I need to check on them every day. So those are like right in front of my face. And um, anything that's kind of quick, I put on a post-it because I can't handle a desk full of post-its. So if it's something like a quick reminder, like don't forget to schedule this appointment, I'll put that on there knowing within 24 hours it'll be removed. <laughs> But yeah, I just, I typically put it in a notebook and have kind of just a, a notebook with all my my different lists. My okay. husband will tell you there's lists all over downstairs too. So <laughs> Good, good. And can you tell us about, uh, for those that don't know, what is a devotional and yeah. uh, how this, this uh, supports uh, what you do? So I uh, try, I'm going to say try really hard to do a daily devotional, which is just uh, taking some time for prayer. And um, that has been very important to me throughout most of my life to just take even if it's a minute, like sometimes, you know, you're just, the day starts off where you feel like you're running from the second you get out of bed. But I try just to at least take a few minutes just to kind of center myself and have a few minutes of either prayer or um, read the Bible or read something inspirational. And sometimes it's religious and sometimes it's not, but just something to kind of uh, focus myself and give me that pause. Beautiful. Is there any, um, if you had to, open a Bible and pick a story 
that uh, perhaps represents more for you? Or uh, what would that be? So the one um, that constantly is reminded to me is the um, it's a story of Mary and Martha and Jesus comes to visit and um, I'm going to mix up the names now because you're I'm on the it's spot, okay. but uh, okay. one of the women stops and she's intentional about her time with Jesus. And she really just focuses on, you know, to kind of soaking in that moment. And the other one is like, oh my gosh, Jesus is here and starts cleaning the house and cooking and doing all the things. And I am often that person where I'm not great at, you know, being intentional in the moment and really listening. And so that story constantly resonates with me because even when we have friends over, I'm, you know, I'm wanting to stay in the kitchen and make sure that everyone's fed and happy. And, and, you know, sometimes I'm not great at sitting and just being in that moment, even with my kids. And so um, I try to remind myself to just like soak in all the little moments and the dishes can wait, the dinner will get cooked. And, you know, you don't always have to be wrapped up in the to-do list because I'm really good at worrying about the to-do list and not always about those positive little moments. So. Beautiful. Let, let me ask you one more follow-up question in terms of productivity. Mm -hmm. um, what advice would you give to someone who, like you, who was working in a school setting and now you're working in this like hybrid uh, place yeah. here and there, uh, what advice you have to give in terms of organizing yourself and, you know, I'm sure the mindset of people, like people might think, oh, you're home. Oh, you're just like, let's just, <laughs> and you might be busy. Uh, like what advice, uh, what lessons have you learned? I've learned you have to do what works for you, um, and ditch it if it doesn't work. And I think that is sometimes very challenging for people to, kind of acknowledge, you know, like they can Google how to get organized. You know, literally the other day I was like looking at how to do something in my kid's toy room, you know, how to organize. And there's those, you know, those things that work great for a lot of people, but they may not work for you and that's okay. And if it's not going to work, it's definitely not going to stick. So whether you're the person that wants a hundred to-do lists on your desk and all the little post-its, or you're the person that needs it, needs it in a, you know, clean little notebook, It doesn't matter because it's for you. And that's, that's the important piece. And if it's not something that's working for you, then you have to ditch it and come up with something else. And so, you know, I worked with teachers who had their plan book on a computer and that's awesome. Great. Good for you. But that didn't work for me. And so I was the person that was in the office requesting a paper, you know, plan book and, you know, making the everything on paper. because that's what I like. So again, just kind of reflecting on what, what do you, what do you want to get out of it? How do you want to be productive? And just kind of focusing on what you need, not necessarily what works for everybody else. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, mm -hmm. Katie, I noticed uh, a couple of your blogs. Uh, mm -hmm. Would you say that uh, writing is something um, that you want to, to develop? Uh, or do you work on? Is writing your thing? If so, uh, how do you get organized uh, from a, an idea to an actual post? So total honesty, I'm re I really don't like writing at all. <laughs> writing has <laughs> not been my strong suit in my opinion. Um, so, you know, Carrie Pitstick is in charge of our blog department. Love her. She is the sweetest person. Early, she early on, she asked if I would write a blog and I avoided her for <laughs> months. 
<laughs> and I, you know, I was like, Carrie, I don't think our blog department really needs a blog written by Katie Micklin. I think the numbers will go down. <laughs> but she was so sweet and really just motivating. And she's given me a little bit of confidence to, you know, write a few things. But for me personally, I have to write something that I'm passionate about because otherwise it's just going to work. Um, I have to be interested in it because I just, I, I really struggle to, I'm more of a verbalizer. I like to talk, you know, you can put me on podcasts all day long, but to put it into me words. Too, and, yeah, right. So I think I just, the like structuring it into putting in words, I just overanalyze it, I think is really what it comes down to. So not my favorite. I will do it. I'm happy to do it, especially if people are nice and sweet, like Carrie is, but yeah. Not my favorite. I'd rather be on podcast. Yeah, like this. <laughs> I I I asked because uh, I also started uh, as a as a blogger, and um, I just I can talk forever, but <laughs> writing like I, after the second word in that sentence, I'm 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 questioning is this yes. is this correct uh, right? And, and it's it loses the essence. Yep, awesome. Same. Katie, any other interests that we should know about that uh, you do and we don't know? You know what? Honestly, I'm a very open person. Um, anyone who knows me knows that I, I don't like what you see on my Instagram or Twitter. That's that is me. I, I, I pride myself on not being fake. I'm not a fake person. You know, I'll put everything from our kid having a temper tantrum to, the, you know, most beautiful Christmas picture ever and everything in between. So, um, but yeah, I just, I'm really grateful for the opportunities that I've been given in the last couple years, especially this journey that I'm on with Teach Better. I, you know, being together at the conference, I was just blown away by our family and our Teach Better community. And, you know, knowing people virtually is so cool, but knowing people in person just is such a difference. And it was um, definitely, I felt like God was calling me to be in, you know, in those moments and just kind of soak that all up. And I'm so, so grateful for everything. And I'm just excited to kind of see where this journey takes me. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. One more follow up question. I promise okay. uh, is this, how did it influence you as a teacher when you became a parent? Oh man. Um, so I think it took a couple years because you know, when you have babies, you're just in survival mode and there's not as much time to reflect. But I think once we had um, our daughter was in school or like in daycare, I, I think I had a different um, appreciation for teachers and just a different perspective. You know, whether it was um, I, whether I thought something was right or whether I was like standing firm behind the teacher and saying, you know, there's been times my daughter has come home and I'm like, I know that's not what your teacher said. I know that's not how that went in class. You know, I just think it just gave me some different perspective and. Um, my husband is a, a son of educators as well. And so he has, you know, kind of had the educator lens with him. And so it's nice for us to have that in our background as we raise her and to remind her, you know, when she, she tells us about a crazy thing she did in class, I remind her, you know, you're one of 25 students, Harper, would you feel that way? Would you feel okay doing that in mommy's classroom? And it's just been good conversation and whether or not things have necessarily been changed, I don't know, but it's just been a good, like different lens to see things through for sure. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Oops, my microphone. 
this has been such a great conversation, Katie. I'm so yeah. excited that I almost uh, messed with the microphone. Uh, <laughs> anything else you would like to share with the listeners of the show? No, just thank you and keep growing and learning and keep listening to more podcasts. Oh, my goodness. It has been a luxury to have you here, Katie. I feel so grateful. Thank you so much. I hope that you have a fantastic Sunday. Thank you. You as well. Bye-bye. See ya. Thank you for listening to Wisdom and Productivity, the podcast of Dr. Eparin Martinez. Chulu. And I love that production. Chulu out.